I want to get you to try to do something that's going to be hard. Right now, I want you to try your best to say what I'm about to hear from God's Word could make all the difference in the world in my life starting today. I want you to tell yourself that because here's what the devil's going to do. He's going to try to, right this minute, distract you and keep you from what I'm about to tell you or we're about to look at together. And the best way I know to explain this is to say right before Jesus was taken to be crucified, I, I make this reference a lot, by the way, he could have continued to heal more people, raise more people from the dead. He could have even chosen to, well, it'd be really good if I fed a few thousand more people. Or if I went into the synagogue or the temple and taught a few more people before they take me away to crucify me. But he didn't do that. All the things that Jesus could have done, you know what he did, don't you? He went somewhere away from his disciples to a private secret place and he began to pray. And I want to tell you today that we all, beginning with me, we think we understand prayer. We even do ourselves a favor by saying uh, to ourselves that we, we really pray or we do a good job of praying. And I'll tell you that I don't pray nearly as much as I should be praying right now considering what the Bible says and where we are in, in, in uh, prophecy and where this world is. He said, you know, my house shall even be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Over in the Old Testament, you know a scripture we use a lot here out of 2 Chronicles 7.14. It begins with that big two-letter word, if. And it's about prayer. It's about humbling and seeking and looking to God and praying. But if is a big word because if I have time, I'll pray. If there's something wrong bad enough, you can believe I'll pray. Or if I just need a touch or some peace, I'll pray. And if really covers a lot of things that will get us on our knees. But if there's nothing that fits into the if category, then we don't really pray. We don't pray because we can pray. We don't pray because it's a commandment of the Lord to pray without ceasing, as a matter of fact, the Bible says. So I don't know of anything more. Fasting is important. Naturally, reading and hiding God's word in your heart is important. But see, there's sometimes when you can't even do that right there if you're driving or you are at work or you are in a hospital or somewhere, you may not be able to do that. You may not be able to open the Bible. You physically may not be able to do that, but you can pray all the time, amen? You can pray anywhere. In fact, you can pray everywhere. You can pray out loud. You can pray quietly, and you can pray privately with no one but you and the Lord hearing what you say. But you also can neglect to pray. But today... I really thought we were, we were going to talk about another subject like I did last week. The Lord says, no, we, we need to do this this week. It's like you did about 
deceiving last week, so the Lord always wins. And I want us together to look at this whole simple benefit of God today as if we are being taught and told, not by me, but by the Lord, for the very first time, you are being explained to what prayer is and how to go about doing it. And I can promise you, based on the Bible now, that if we all leave here with a better understanding, a better appreciation for it, and we, we engage in it, then this time next Sunday, if we're still on this earth, our lives, our testimonies will be a whole lot different than they are right now, even if you've got a good testimony. So I want to begin by going to Matthew chapter 6, and I will warn you that there's a lot of scripture today, and I'm going to kind of go through these uh, kind of quick because I want, to, I want to get all the scriptures covered. But I also would like to tell you that if you are using the Multitudes Church app, which is currently at this moment still available on the Apple Store and Google Play Store, you can still download it right now. You can go to today's message even after today, and all of the notes, all of the scripture are, are there for you. They're in a PDF, and you, you can follow right along. You can do that right now. You can follow along. But we're going to begin by talking about when you, you pray, when, when you pray, the do's and the don'ts of, of when you pray. And I know it might be a little hard to see in here, but, but we're just trying to find a happy medium and bear with us. This is kind of our environment today because of we don't want it to get extremely hot. And you won't believe how hot it might get in a few minutes. But maybe we will have a little bit of mercy with that light on and maybe that one can go off and y'all can still see me and we'll just keep going on. I know, uh, I know that's a little different but that's okay. That means it's going to be a little cooler. And I'm always a fan of being cooler. So I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, all right? In fact, while you're turning there, I'm going there too. We're going to go to Matthew 6 and 5. And this is beginning to talk about when you pray, the things you want to do, and the things you don't really want to do. Verse 5 says, and when you pray, this is Jesus, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Make a note of that. For they love to pray on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So at the time they're doing this, that's all they're going to get out of it the oohs and the ahs of people that are impressed by them. Anything they're praying about is hitting the ground as quick as it comes out of their mouth. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and He's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That means the Lord's not going to hide what he's going to do for you in honoring you in praying. So I want to stop for a minute. This is something I don't want to do when I'm praying. I don't want to be like a hypocrite. I don't want to be 
two-faced. I, I want to be all about God's business. I want to be the real deal. When I pray, I want to go to a private place. I want to go to a place. Jesus went away from the disciples. They were godly, God-fearing people, but he went to a private place. He went to a, a closet on that hill. He secluded himself because you know there's some things you don't want nobody to hear but you and God. Amen? Well, I don't. I don't want nobody to hear everything I got going on. I, I don't. It's just between me and God. So I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to be genuine about it. And I also want to go to a place where it's me and God. I'm not trying to bring attention to myself. But verse 7 says, but when you pray, don't use vain repetition as the heathens do, for they think they'll be heard of their many words. And what that means, part of what that means, is that when you pray, you really ought to have something to say. Don't just be saying things to make your conscience feel better or saying the same. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Bow our head as much as we can. When you pray, don't use vain repetition. Now, I know we, ch we teach children to pray, but we're talking about in a moment of prayer, go to God with your heart wide open, with your arms wide open, and with your mind wide open, that's how you want to approach the Lord. And, and all of these things I'm talking about, they're kind of broken down in three categories, but they really fall into one another, okay? So I, I don't want to use vain repetition. God knows what, listen to this, He knows what we need even before we pray, before we ask it. So God really wants something fresh from you when you pray. He wants something fresh. Don't give him because, see, this is why it's such a beautiful thing because when you take the time to go into a secret place and pray with God, the Lord, oh, yeah, it's like a date. When you're praying out of your heart, it's like a date with God and he said, oh, this is going to be so good. And can you imagine if you take your girlfriend or your wife out to eat and you just took them out to, now when I was in college sometimes it was the girls taking the boys out to eat okay we'll do the Tim Hawkins I work at Subway song later but anyway listen imagine taking them out to eat today and you just took them out to eat for the past three months every day in a row that's how you pray and you've taken them out to eat pizza every single time I mean every time even if it's good pizza you take them out to eat pizza. That kind of get old. And then you take them in there today. Oh, we're going out today. And oh, okay, good. We're going out today. Guess where we're going today? Pizza in. We're going to pizza again. When you use vain repetition, you don't pour your heart out to God. Let your petitions be made known. It's like serving the same thing over and over again. And you go into a secret place because. This is symbolic of your relationship with the Lord. It, it's, it's, it's me and Him. He's my Savior. He's my, he's my life guard, and He's the one that actually threw the life preserver to me. So, man, He's special in my life. I, I don't want to give Him the same old line. 
I want to pray something brand new to him. I want him to know my heart. Even if part of that or the majority of that is weeping because your heart's heavy, at least you're giving him the real you, the pure you. It's not vain repetition, and God loves that. And also, before we move on, do you realize that when you pray, all of hell gets completely nervous and upset? Not when you talk about how bad the devil's beat you up, not when you tell people, oh, this is not getting good, or when you just cry, or you withdraw, or all the things people do instead of praying, or you do other things that don't get you anywhere. Do you realize that when you pray, and you open your heart to the Lord, and you pray sincerely, that all of hell gets upset? Because they know that's what Jesus did, and he could have done anything, but he prayed. Prayer is the most powerful weapon you have here. That's why the Lord said it's important to read. It's important to praise God with your lips. All of those things are deadly combinations when you come up against the enemy. But I can tell you for a fact that when you pray, the Lord says you need to pray, as I told you a while ago, without ceasing. Do it all the time. And hell hates that because hell sees that you understand that's where you get your, as Beckham would say, put them up. That's where you get your fighting dukes on when you pray. When you go into your prayer closet, that means you're ready for battle. That means you're ready to take care of business. And, and, and the enemy can't stand that because you're not whining and griping and complaining and poor pitiful you, me all the time. It just means that you are really praying. You're seeking the one God who can do anything about everything going on in your life. So we need to really pray all the time, and we need to pray from a heart that's sincere. So the next thing we need to talk about is what you pray or the attitude you ought to have when you pray. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 44, my attitude going into prayer is kind of defined in this verse. Listen to this because this kind of will sting. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that actually hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. And he throws this in and persecutes you. So my attitude going into prayer is completely different. I'm catching the devil off of guard. I'm going in there. He thinks I'm going to ask for planes, trains, automobiles, all the things, I'm thinking of movies now, and that's not really good to do that. But I'm telling you, he's thinking we're going to go in like Santa Claus um, with all kind of things. And when you go in and you say, well, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going in, my attitude to prayer, because I'm in a relationship with Abba, Father. And the first thing you get to after you address what we're about to address you start going off on this spiritual tangent, which is a good thing, and you start praying for the person that just threw you under the bus, the person that just did you wrong, person, all right, let me go social media for a minute. They just lie, 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 lie all about you on social media. They just did all this stuff at school, at work, whatever. And you, of all things, you start praying, God, would you bless them? Lord, they're doing this because they don't know you like I know you. Lord, they're doing this because 
they have not tasted and seen that you are good, and I've done that. And you begin to pray like this, do you know how nerve-wracking that is for the devil? Because he wanted to use that situation, that person, to hold you in bondage and create bitterness in your life for the rest of your life. He's not expecting you to flip the table upside down and pray for them, but that's the attitude that you ought to go into prayer with. And then over back in the 6th chapter we were just in, verse 9 says what your attitude ought to be. It's this right here. Your attitude ought to be, I'm going into prayer and it's not about me. I'm going into prayer and this is what you pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy, great, mighty, wonderful, majestic, omnipotent, beautiful is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Listen, when you start out in prayer like that, folks, this is what you do. You let God know that you've made a decision in your life that your life is not really about you. Your life is about pleasing Him, about His kingdom coming, what He wants to do in your life, how He can use you, that you understand He's worthy of praise more than your problems are worthy of praise. And when your attitude is that, when you go into prayer, that song Mackie was just miming to you about tearing down mountains. And, oh, that just becomes a regular event in your life every day because you know how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, after you take care of God, God says, well, it's okay, but let's talk about you too. Because we're in a secret place in a relationship. You've come in, you've made it all about God, you've prayed for your enemies, and, and you say, Lord, would you give me today my daily bread? I don't want too much, because it'll spoil. It'll get rotten like all the extra manna did in the Old Testament. Lord, I, I don't want something that's not good for me. Give me today my daily bread. My daily bread might not be the bread I prayed for or I thought I wanted. It might be a whole different spiritual diet God wants me to have. It might be something I'm not used to. It might be habits that I've got to get rid of to form new habits my daily bread, Lord, give me today my daily bread. See, you won't get jacked up, whacked up if you've got the daily bread from God and not the daily bread from this world or even your own flesh. Give me today my daily bread and forgive me of my debts as, as, Lord, I want to make that clear. Forgive me as I forgive them. Lead me not into temptation, Lord. I don't want to go where you're not, and you're not a God that tempts. I, I don't want to be, in, I'm not going to flirt with sin. I'm not going to say, well, that preacher said it was all right, or that person that's been a Christian a long time said it was okay. I don't want that, Lord. I don't want that. Lead me away from evil. Lead me away from it. And see, folks, when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you can't go wrong with the Lord's Prayer. You know that, don't you? You don't go wrong with the Lord's Prayer. And when you pray that, that tells God that you're real serious. Your attitude is what it ought to be. Your attitude is the right way. You don't treat God like a, a genie in a bottle. You don't treat God like he's a Santa Claus. You don't treat God like he's just somebody to 
to just hand out money or things or pleasures to you. But no, he's the lover of your soul. And you treat God like he's the only source of life you have because he really is. And God loves that when you do that. Now, when you pray and what you pray kind of goes along with how you pray. How you pray. How do I go into prayer? Well, you just said that, yeah, but you need to know not only your attitude, but you, we need to know your level of respect for God. You need to let God know how remorseful you are when you do slip, when you do fall, when you do things that are not the character of Christ. And there's no better way to do that than to kind of evaluate what your posture is. What is it? How, how, how are you feeling? What are you praying? When you go into prayer, Psalm 32 verse 5 says this, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I'm not going in to the inner room with the Lord and trying to hide that under the rug like the sin of Achan, but I'm not hiding it from you. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou favor, forgavest the iniquity of my sin. So I'm going into prayer. I'm sorry, Lord. Maybe you didn't drink a fifth of liquor. I hope you didn't. Any. Maybe you didn't smoke weed. Maybe you didn't cuss somebody out or use uh, foul language when you were talking in just general conversation. But maybe you had a thought about payback. Maybe you, you had an impure thought that you know God's not in. And you say, God, nobody knows this but you and me. But I'm sorry for that that went through my mind, that I entertained it for a minute, or I kept dwelling on it, or I really highly considered it, Lord. See, when you go to God and you are remorseful, see, folks, I'm just going to break it down for one minute here. We live in a time now... Not only do people not pray anymore, people aren't remorseful anywhere. And I blame a lot of this on false doctrine and false prophets on TV and everywhere else. Listen, never, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. This is way off the note. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. But let me tell you something. The day that you treat God like he's your boy, you, you, you on some dangerous grounds there. He's always a holy God. He's always your father. You are always his child, his son, or his daughter. You are not best buds or nothing like that. He's not your homie or nothing else. He's a holy, righteous, beautiful God, and you have to always be reverent to him. You always have to be remorseful for when you know that you've done things that are against, again, his nature and his character, and you go to him. He likes a humble. He likes a contrite spirit. That's what he loves. That's what God sees to every time when he sees somebody that comes to him like this. God loves this. And when you acknowledge your sin, whether it's visible to everybody else's eye or nobody knows it but you and he, God loves it when you come to him 
instead of your hand out to give you something, you come with your hands out to surrender. You come with your hands up, not out. You say, Lord, I surrender. I'm giving this to you. I should not have done that. I'm sorry, Lord. You've been too good to me. And God, I repent. God loves it when you acknowledge your sin and you are remorseful about that and God moves in your life when you do that. So, to follow that up, Daniel, Daniel in the lion's den, you know that Daniel, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego friend, Daniel, that Daniel, also Daniel that uh, would interpret the dreams and a lot of his prophecy with revelation is what we're living in and going into now, that Daniel. This is what he said. Daniel was a godly man too, by the way. But this is what he prayed in the ninth chapter, verse 20. He said, and while I was speaking and praying, and here we go, this is what I'm trying to get to, and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. I'm going to stop. But did you hear what we just read? He was confessing his sin. He was not only confessing his sin alone, but the sin of his people. And he understood. Just like when we talked about Job, when Job was praying, he was praying and confessing before he lost everything and then got everything more. But way before all that, he, he was praying, God forgive because my children might have done something. See, folks, that's what we've got to understand. We've got to know and we've got to see. We always can go to God. He's a very present help in our time of need. But God loves it when we come to him and we say, Lord, forgive me of my debts of my trespasses, of my wrongdoing, of my dropping the ball, of my neglect, not praying, going to bed without praying, waking up, going out of the house without praying, not praying, God, forgive me of all those sins of omission. Forgive me of those things, Lord. You see, when you do that, and God, I pray over the church. God, I pray over my family. God, I pray over my children. God, I pray over the student ministry here. God, I pray over the children's ministry. God, all these things we pray, but I pray, Lord, any sin that people have committed, oh, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, help us to be remorseful and repent over it, God, so that you can do what you want to do in our lives, but in our midst. That's the part of thy kingdom come. It's not just me and my kingdom, but it's thy kingdom, the world around me. And the Lord said that, you know, I, I, I'm going to just read verse 21. And, and when he did this, look at what happened, you see. Yet while I was speaking in prayer, see, God sees his heart. God knows he's remorseful. God knows that he's repentant. God knows he's re his relationship. I, I don't. I'm in flesh. I know I'm going to fail you, but I really don't want to. And when I do, I feel bad about it. And I want you to know I feel bad. I don't run away and quit going to church or quit paying my tithes or feel guilty when I see other people that's done worse than you've done. I just, Lord, I feel bad on the spot. And I've got to come to you, Abba Father, and let you know. I know my people did stuff. And God, we're sorry about that. And he did that kind of praying in verse 21 said, while he was praying, still in prayer, the man Gabriel come on a mission from God 
whom I'd seen in a vision at the beginning caused to fly swiftly. He touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And what that means is God was moving in his life even before he got to the word, amen. Now you can Santa Claus God to death all you want to and you can pray, God, give me, give me, give me and never repent, never feel bad and all that. But I guarantee you according to what we're looking at today, if you really want to grow leaps and bounds in God and you want to get somewhere and you want to see God really move in your life and in your circle, you pray and you model your life after this prayer and after these ways of praying to God and you watch what God does. The scriptures do not lie. Now, I'm kind of getting to the end here, but I want to tell you now that we've covered the when and the what and the how, I, I, I just really came to tell you today that God loves it when you pray. He really does. We're going to talk about some of his responses really quick. Psalm 91 again, verse 15 when he calls out to me, God says, when he calls to me, when you call out to God, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And over in Isaiah 30, it says, Oh, people in Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will surely be gracious when you cry for help. When he hears he will answer you. And over in the 59th chapter of the same book, surely, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. In first chapter 65, he says, but before they call, I love this scripture, before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, just like with Daniel, while they are still speaking, I will hear. Now, folks, if you haven't gotten to a place in your walk with the Lord, if nobody, I'm scanning real quick, if, if you've never experienced a mountain moving in your life, if, if you've never experienced walls coming down, I, I'll tell you this, if you've never experienced going in to the inner room, the secret place, and closing the door, hallelujah, and getting 18 words out of your mouth before you feel the very presence of God in that place where you are. I'm telling you, there's a place you can go in the Lord. There's a prayer. There's prayers you can pray. There's scripture that you can glean from, and you can hide in your heart, and you can live out, you can pray out, and you can practice. And you can get to a place in the Lord that you really physically, verbally cannot express to other people. You can do that. But if God and praying to God is like a drive through window at Taco Bell, you want the bean burrito without the goo walk on it. Listen to me. I'm telling you right now, that's all you're going to get. You're going to get a bean burrito answer without the guac on it, and you ain't going to be any better off. But if you really want the real deal, you bypass the window, you bypass the restaurant, and you just say, I'm going out here with my phone off. 
off where nobody can interrupt me. I'm going to be in a soundproof place where not even a beautiful bird chirping can make me and my OCD, DDD, ABCDE can distract me, my butterfly issue, Opie. I'm going to go to a place where I know it's only going to be my voice and the voice of God. You get in tune with God. You pour your real heart out to God. You let your petitions be made known. And I'm telling you, your life will change at a rate you've never seen before. And that Bible says it will. The Bible says it will. Chapter 58. Of Isaiah, then you shall call. See, that's the problem, folks. We like the, you know, now this is, if you are 50 or over, you're in good shape. Under 50, there ain't a lot of hope for you on this. But if you're, we like the barber eating the genie. I dream of genie, you know. Y'all tell them when you get home what that all is, okay? We just like to blink and it's there. Amen. We've been spoiled. And you know, my Amazon Prime. We, we like the Amazon Prime pray. We want to press the button in the closet right now. And we want it tomorrow. We don't even want the two-day Prime. Can I get an amen? God, I need it now. God, where is it? God. And it don't work that way, folks. It don't work that way. Now, we can look through this book anytime you want to, and we can see men like Elijah praying and prayed 60-something words, and fire fell down from heaven. Oh, yeah, it can happen. But you've got to have a lifestyle. You've got to have a walk where you know the man and the man knows you. When, when you pray, it's more than, here we go again. I tell my age. E.F. Hutton speaking where everybody listens. No, that's a commercial. When you pray, the Lord really will listen, and the Lord will smile, and people will take notice of what, what is that. Well, I go to church. I, I mean, I kind of pay tithes. I kind of read my Bible. I kinda, but now I see when he prays, the roof shakes and all that. Things happen in her life. Things happen in their family. It's because you cannot fake being real and genuine with God. You can't do it, folks. But... If you will actually stop starting the 8th of August and you start calling on the Lord, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. But you got to understand, I've been preaching about what that word call means, okay? Everything I've been saying. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, I forgot to tell y'all there was a part of the message today that was going to be alcohol on the cut. This is a little bit of that alcohol on the cut, okay? I'll try to get through it quick so you can just pay your copay and keep going. He said he would answer. He said, I'll answer when you cry. If you take away the yoke from your midst, here we go, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then, then, you know, we started out with if. I then went over that earlier. Then your light shall dawn in the darkness and your darkness shall be as 
the noonday. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you continually. That means you'll quit bumping into stuff because God's not guiding you. And he will satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden. And the, am I describing anybody? No, man, I'm parched dirt. People run from me. Hey, and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail, those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. But before we have the pep rally about that, we got to look at verse 9 really quick again. Or verse 10. He said, you can't be blaming people. You can't be calling people out. You can't always, you are the victim. That's one of the worst curses I hate that people let the devil put on them is they've been victimized. Now, there's a lot of people who have hard lives. We've had people in our church that have hard lives. But I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be as sensitive as I am. But the day that my harder life is greater than the grace of God that's been shed abroad in my life, today I haven't understood what the cross of Jesus is all about. Because my Bible tells me, now we don't forget stuff. I ain't saying that. But the, my Bible tells me old things are passed away. I get a new name. I got a robe waiting on me. You hear me? I got a crown of life uh, waiting on me. Hey, listen to me. God is greater than anything that's ever happened in my life. So I don't need to be doing this thing of pointing a finger, saying, oh, I'm walking around victim when I claim to know the all-powerful Jesus Christ living inside of me. No, I'm more than a conqueror. I ain't that person that went through all that. I am great in the Lord because there's a great God living inside of me. And it's not me that's living. So I'm not taking credit. It's all Him living inside of me. So you're not a victim. You are a victor. So you're not pointing a finger. You're not victim. You're not going around gossiping and blaming and talking about people. And you're not running people down under the bus and all that. The Lord says, if you'll quit all that stuff, if you'll quit all that stuff, and you just call on me, you come and you raw, man. You wide open and you're just raw to the Lord. You let him know how real you are. The Lord says, if you do that and you quit all that carnal stuff, Christians think they're going to get by on judgment day with <clears throat> He said, if you won't do that, then you're going to be the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the story. You're going to be an oasis to people. That's what the Lord said. And I want to tell you in, in real closing today, that was like the uh, captain telling you to put your seatbelt on, that first one. But th this is the real landing right now, okay? And it's found in Psalm chapter 50, verse 15. Everybody in here, I'm looking at all the people I can look at again. Everything you've ever went through, God knows about it. Everything you're going through right now, God knows about it. It's not small in his sight. It, when you hurt, God hurts. When you are grieving, the heart of God is grieving with you. Jesus said that when he went to the cross, he not only bore our sins and our iniquity, but he bore our grief. He bore our grief. And so I want, I want to tell you this. 
We run through gutters all the time. We run through low places. We get through two places where we feel like I can't even pray. That's why the church is told to bear each other's burdens. But what we've got to do, this 15th verse, which says, Call upon me in the day of trouble. We've been all over this all morning. I will deliver you. Not TV, not your friend, not social media, not whatever the, the latest fad or device is. He said, no, but in your day of trouble, if you call on me, I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So here's the deal. Is your gutter what you're going through with? Is your gutter going to glorify God? That means what you are going through with, are you going to let it take you to your knees, to a secret place, be real with God, not be bitter about people. In fact, you're going to bless people in your prayer. You're not going to try to hide things from God. You're going to be genuine and let Him know. You, you know that what you did was wrong or what you thought was wrong and you feel so bad about it. And you tell God all this. And God knows when you're calling on Him, then He's going to be able to bless you in ways that you can't imagine. And by Him blessing you, that gutter you was in, it's going to bring glory. I'll give you a quick example real quick. Joseph, by, about his brothers and all that. That gutter, that, that mistreatment and all that, in the end, that man was able to glorify God and save a nation, repair of the breach, a restore. And God needs people to understand that about in the month of August in 2021 right now because there's all kinds of things escalating, continue to happen, going to continue to happen. We're on our way home. The quicker you realize that, we are on our way home. The better off you'll be, the more spiritual you'll be, the faster you'll grow in the Lord, and the, the more victorious you will live. But you won't do any of this unless you learn how to pray. And I need you to stand up because that's how we're going to leave this church today. If you're able to stand, I want you to stand and uh, just, if you'd bow your heads, because God knows. God knows if I'm going to really pray, if I'm hungry to pray, or if I'm just going to wait until it gets bad. You know, I've really been praying. We've been doing a lot of work over there at the other campus. As soon as we finish with that project, we've got a lot of work to do upstairs for our children's church. We're waiting to launch. And... And I'm going to be honest with you, as much time, work, and money, there's no way it can, it can surpass prayer. And God's reminded me of that. I just told Robbie and I told Reggie about something we need to do first thing in the morning that could help. But Lord's reminded me, and I want to remind you that I, I think I'm more under a gun to pray more than I am to even build or fix or paint more. A lot of that has to be done. But see, prayer, when it becomes a vital, urgent 
thing in your life and just something you refer to occasionally when you say the bless. If it's, if it's more important than, than buying groceries, taking a shower, paying a bill, or even getting on your phone, then that's when prayer will come to fruition in your life and it will, it will reap for you what God intended for it to reap. As you have your head bowed and your eyes closed, the greatest prayer anybody could pray is one of repentance. Lord, I'm a sinner. And if you are not sure whether or not you are ready to go to heaven, what do you mean, preacher? I mean, if you haven't asked Jesus to change your life, forgive you of your sins, even to a level that you don't even want to be the same person you were anymore. I don't mean fake, but I mean you need a new... You see, we've been ministering and they've been ministering us part of the uh, addiction recovery ministry out of Nightdale. But man, these guys have been changed. And uh, Robbie, uh, Reggie, Nikki, we, we've spent time with them off and on. And see, you can tell when a person's been changed. And if you've not been changed by the Lord, I don't care what prayer you said or what you did that looked like a religious sacrament, if your life has not been changed and you're in the building, I would like for you to come to this altar. If you're online, when I pray, I want you to pray with us if anybody comes forward. Because it's not God's will, number one, that you should die and go to hell, but it's not God's will equally that you should live on this earth in bondage to the tricks of the enemy. And anybody in the building or online, if you do not want to leave this service or broadcast today without knowing your sins are forgiven, I want you to pray, Father, forgive me of my sins. I am so sorry. I'm remorseful, Lord. I'm not asking you to give me an item or money or even open a door right now. Lord, I'm opening the door to you to walk into my heart today. That's the only door I'm interested in. I need you to come in to my life to have fellowship with me. Cleanse me and make me whiter than snow. The Bible says if you pray that and mean that, God will do just that. And Father, all of us, we pray together in church. I want you to pray this in your own way to God, your own words. Lord, Help me to be more mindful of prayer right now than I've ever been before. Help me to be so mindful of praying and protecting that time, not saying I'm so busy I had to leave early this morning. Oh, no, God, let us protect that more than we protect anything else because it's more important than anything else. Help us to be mindful and God pure and right and intentional. And God, and I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for every family here that will leave this building, people that are watching that will possibly go somewhere today, people that are at work and not able to be here, I pray over them, Lord. I pray over the Sampson family, Lord. I pray, God, over, I pray for Caitlin, Lord, that you would give her peace, God, that you would give her a smooth 
delivery, Lord. You're the God that delivers, Lord, and I know you're able to move in her life. I pray, God, all the anxious spirits that not just she has, but all of us in this building, we have over one. It may not be a child coming, but it may be over something else. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to learn to not to be anxious in anything, but in prayer and supplication over everything in our lives, Lord. And Father, I know that when it's all said and done, Lord, we'll live better now, and you'll look at us one day, and I believe it's real soon, and you will tell us, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You didn't let any of it trick you. You didn't get sidetracked with anything. You just kept your mind and your eyes on me, and here we are together forever, never to be separated and to enjoy everything. God, we love you and we thank you again. And we give you praise and we pray that you let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer.